Welcome to From Water Into Wine with Mignon Morel, the place where we discuss the practical and supernatural ways of the kingdom of God that are relevant to your life. And now, today's podcast. Well, it is an exciting time to be alive in the kingdom. You know, what the apostles walked in, you can walk in. What Adam and Eve walked in and that intimacy, you can walk in. And what the Lord Jesus walked in when he was here on the earth, you are supposed to be walking in. You know, that's what makes the kingdom of God so exciting. All the possibilities that Jesus purchased for us on the cross. Now, one way we can do that is by getting activated in practicing the prophetic. Prophetic revelation and the gift of prophecy are available for every believer, and they are both sorely needed in the body of Christ today. You know, in my opinion, there is no better way to evangelize than by using prophetic evangelism. In addition to compassionate acts, the church can reach the lost by prophetically speaking into the lives of the lost, proving to them that there is a God who knows all about their lives and loves them unconditionally. We are the ones who broker the kingdom on the earth. And prophetic use and revelatory, prophetic revelation is one of the ways we do that. It can reach out to a lost and hurting world. It's the Christian's mandate to carry the light of the world to the world. You know, there are plenty of people who are waiting for that light to shine into their lives, to show them that God hears them, God cares, He notices. It's our job to be the conduits so that Jesus can reveal himself through us to the lost and hurting world. And one of the biggest ways he does that and chooses to do that is through the gift of prophecy and prophetic revelation. Now, prophecy and revelation are some of the main ways God communicates with his children. Strong's Concordance defines the word prophecy as meaning an inspired message, sometimes encouraging obedience to God, sometimes proclaiming the future as a warning to preparedness and continued obedience. Now, the, I like the way the Amplified Bible defines the word prophecy. It defines the word prophecy as interpreting the divine will and purpose of God in inspired preaching and teaching. Now, Strauss Concordance defines the Greek word for revelation as apocalypsis. Now, this means revelation that is revealed or disclosed or to make information known with an implication that the information can be understood. Now, this specifically refers in the New Testament to God making information known to his close associates. So I have a question for you. Who are God's close associates? Us. As Christians, we are God's close associates because we have been brought into an intimate relationship with the Father through Christ Jesus. This means that we are meant to receive prophetic revelation from the Father through the Holy Spirit for our lives and for the lives of those we touch, both inside and outside the church. Now, the Apostle Paul had a lot to say about prophecy, its function, and the importance in the body of Christ. And you can find this in 1 Corinthians 14. I'm going to read some of this. This is from the Amplified Bible. 1 Corinthians 14. Eagerly pursue love. Make it your greatest quest and earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy, interpret the divine will and purpose and inspire preaching and teaching. 
The one who prophesies, who interprets the divine will and purpose in inspired preaching and teaching, speaks to men for their upbuilding and constructive spiritual progress and encouragement and consolation. He who speaks in a strange tongue edifies and improves himself, but he who prophesies, interpreting the divine will and purpose and teaching with inspiration, edifies and improves the church and promotes growth in Christian wisdom, piety, holiness, and happiness. So that's 1 Corinthians 14. Now this verse gives us a great basic definition of what the gift of prophecy is supposed to be used for in today's church. It is supposed to be used for building up the church body and promoting growth for Christians in the kingdom of God. Now, I want to say here, for the purpose of this teaching, I'm kind of heaping together words of knowledge and prophecy, even though I know that many teach that words of knowledge are a separate thing because they do not typically deal with the future. But I have learned from my experience that when I am prophesying over someone, I will often get words of knowledge and future prophecy all mixed together as I minister to them. You know, it really doesn't matter to the person as long as they get the intended word from the Lord that he wanted them to have. I'm also addressing right now this gift of prophecy that is available to every Christian. I'm not speaking specifically about becoming a prophet or about a prophet's specific calling or function. So I just want to make that clear. Now, in my life, I have been very fortunate over the last several years to benefit from the gift of prophecy being used in my life. I've been both blessed to give prophecy to people and to receive prophecy at important points in my life. The majority of the time, it has been a major blessing to me to give me direction, comfort, assuredness that the Lord is watching and aware of my life. For example, I remember one of the first words that I was ever given was in an OSL conference I went to. I was standing in line for healing prayer at that time when one of the conference speakers came over and began to prophesy over my life. You know, he basically told me how the enemy had stolen from my life, which was true, and how God was going to replace the years the locusts had eaten. And then he went on to tell me how God was going to do it and that I didn't have to fear that everything would fall into place at the right time. Now, I was really encouraged when this happened, but I have been more encouraged, actually, as the years have passed and the Lord has begun to bring that prophecy to pass. Now, I have learned, again, over the years in my own prophesying over people, how true prophecy always speaks to the treasure in the person that God created and the purpose he designed them for. You know, God loves people and the Holy Spirit loves people. Guys, it is always easier to prophesy to someone's faults in life. In fact, you can do that to most anyone after just watching them for a few minutes. True prophecy from a New Testament perspective always speaks to the treasure that God has placed in a person, not to the rust on the treasure. You understand? You know, most people know what is wrong with them uh, and where they are struggling. What they don't know is how much God loves them and the plan that he has for them to get out of that dark place. You know, as Christians, we carry the light of Christ into the world and into the dark places. And that means into the dark places of the people around us. 
When God is truly speaking to you through the gift of prophecy and he shows you some error or sin in a person's life, he will also always show you the plan he has to deal with that error because your mandate on this planet is to have a ministry of reconciliation and reconcile people back to the heart of God. It is not to be the judge and jury of mankind. Remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians The one who prophesies, who interprets the divine will and purpose in inspired preaching and teaching, speaks to men for their upbuilding and constructive spiritual progress, encouragement, and consolation. We prophesy to the treasure, not to the rust on the treasure. Understand? Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about, okay? Let's say you get a word for someone, and I'm going to use an example from my own ministry because I get a chance to practice this all the time. (laughs) Now, let's say in my own ministry, I pray for someone who had a heavy critical spirit. In fact, as soon as they walked up to me, the Holy Spirit said, critical spirit. Now, well, as I started to pray over them and to prophesy over them, the Lord showed me that this person did indeed have a critical spirit that was marring their flow in the gift of prophecy. And he showed me it had come in because they had been used to living in a very critical environment and that experience had never been healed. So, you know, as I'm praying for the person, I'm asking them if they had been raised in a home with a critical parent or spouse. And they said, yes. I told them then that the enemy had tried to make that critical spirit a part of their lives, but that God was interrupting the plans the enemy had. I then saw from the Lord that I was to encourage this person to draw closer to the Lord in intimacy and that he desired for them to have a greater time of communication and intimacy with them where he could heal that place with his love and truth and remove the barbs and the rough places because he really wanted to use this person as a vessel of encouragement to God's people in their ministries. So as I'm praying for them, I was decreeing the goodness of God over their lives and that God was going to draw them into a time of intimacy and closeness where they would encounter true freedom without fear and grace, and they would be able to live their lives and do their ministry from this sacred place. And not only that, that the Lord was going to allow them to be a vessel of encouragement and love for the rest of the body. Now, this allowed the person to come closer to Jesus and trust, knowing that they would not be abused and and receive the word of freedom for their lives. Do you understand? So it would have been different if I had said the following, okay? God says you have a critical spirit that is hurting your ministry and the people you minister to, and you need to get rid of it if you want to go any further with God or your ministry. Now tell me, how many of you would receive that word and not be devastated or turned off by the impact of it? Yeah, of course you would. You know, unfortunately, this is how many of us have experienced prophecy in the church and why many people want nothing to do with it. You know, many people will argue with you that they can't help but give out judgment types of words because the Spirit is making them do this. But I want to tell you that is not biblical. The Word says that prophecy can be controlled by the one speaking it. 1 Corinthians 14, 32. For the spirits of the prophets are under the speaker's control and subject to being silenced as may be necessary. Now, I have done many meetings, and when I ask the Holy Spirit what He desires to tell the people in regards to ministering and healing and in the prophetic, He always says one thing. He says, honor. 
He always tells me, Mignon, I desire that you honor the person you're ministering to, regardless of the information you're receiving, because the Holy Spirit honors that person when he moves over their lives. You know, we have to truly get it into our brains and into our hearts to understand that God is seeking to draw all men to himself. That is why he sent his son to die for us, to make it easy for us to come to him. He did not make it make it so that we had to jump through one hoop after another to get to him. Okay, so when we are prophesying over people, we should always remember that we have an assignment to reconcile and to encourage, to draw them closer to Avagad, not to put up a barrier or to insult them. We must learn to honor the people in that word, even though I was getting the information that came across as this is a negative thing. I knew the heart of God to be able to express it in a way that would encourage this person, bring the walls of barriers down so the Lord could move in there, and at the same time, uh, help that information to help transform this person into the incredible prophetic vessel of encouragement that God wanted them to be. Do you understand? Jesus came to save the world, not to judge it. John chapter 12, 47 says, For I have not come to judge and condemn and pass sentence and inflict penalty on the world, but to save the world. Guys, prophecy is one way Jesus is still working to save the world. So we know that prophecy is for the church, but it is also meant to be used as a tool to introduce unbelievers to God and to his kingdom reality. Again, 1 Corinthians 14, 24, and this is the message version. It says this, if you come together as a congregation and some unbelieving outsiders walk in on you as you're all praying in tongues, unintelligible to each other and to them, won't they assume you've taken leave of your senses and get out of there as fast as they can? But if some unbelieving outsiders walk in on a service where people are speaking out God's truth, In prophecy, the plain words will bring them up against the truth and probe their hearts. Before you know it, they're going to be on their faces before God, recognizing that God is among you. I like the way the message says this passage because it gives us the idea that the truth is what leads the non-Christian to God, to show that God is real and sees into their life, not just uh, haranguing them over the sin. Does that make sense? Prophecy is a great witnessing tool to lead unbelievers to Jesus. As like I said before, it is our job to be lights to the world. And prophecy is one way to do this and bring hope into people's lives. God loves mankind and he's always seeking connection to him, even with non-Christians, especially with non-Christians. You know, I'm a big fan of prophetic evangelism and I have... I try to take a part in prophetic evangelism as often as I can. And in my, like I said earlier, it's my opinion that this is the way, the easiest way to do prophesying um, that one can do because the Holy Spirit is always ready to show off Jesus to the world. You know, I remember one time we did a treasure hunt with our ministry. And when we did treasure hunts, we typically pick a Walmart. I know people kind of teach you just, you know, come up with things, but we actually have a parameter place because the Lord is good and we only can, you know, cover so much ground. So we'll pick Walmart, let's say, and we'll pray and ask the Lord for clues. That's what you do in a treasure hunt and uh, for clues for the people. And so during this time um, of asking for clues, I got this picture of a tall African-American man. And he had on one of those little Walmart vests and his had a name tag that said Charles on it. 
And I saw that he was over in the CD and music section. And the Lord gave me the word that he was seeking um, direction for some serious decisions he had to make in his life and that God wanted him to know he was going to help him with that. So, you know, everybody gets their clues and we head off to Walmart. And uh, so we're going through Walmart, you know, and I actually, the team went ahead. I had to go, I don't know, run to the ladies room and I come back and I'm walking towards the CD section and there comes Charles, tall African-American black man has his little thing on with his name tag. It says Charles on it. Now, because in a treasure hunt, you carry a page that has your clues on it to show people. I was able to go up to him and go, oh my gosh, Charles, it's you. You have no idea. Look, you're on my list. We're doing a treasure hunt and you're on my list. And he saw his name and his description. And I said, the Lord said you needed help in making some decisions. Well, it turns out he said, yes, I'm having to decide what to do with my career, whether to go to school or not. He was a manager at Walmart. So I'm talking to him and I'm so excited and he's so freaked out because, oh my gosh, here he is on this list. And I said, can I pray for you? He said, well, we're not allowed to do that. I said, well, let me just, you know, pray quickly. He said, okay. So I prayed a quick prayer over him for the Lord to give him blessing and encouragement. Now, by this time, we have all these people surrounding us because there's such a big deal about the fact that this was Charles and he's the manager and everybody's watching. And at the end, he said, I really want to thank you. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever done for me. He goes, I really believe that God actually hears me now. You know, it's amazing what you can do with just a little bit of information. Now, I can hear it already. Well, you didn't take him and lead him to Jesus. Let me tell you something. Every word brings a person closer to the Lord. Okay. In that situation, the Lord said, here's your assignment. I want you to get in there, deliver the word of hope and let me do the rest. You do what the Holy Spirit says to do. If I had tried to lead him to Jesus, we would have gotten kicked out of the Walmart. In this case, we were able to go and find the other people on our list and we found everybody and were able to encourage them. Okay. Prophetic evangelism is easy and every believer can do it. Okay. So now I want to talk a little bit about receiving a prophetic word from God. Because they're going to, a lot of people may be saying, that's great, Mignon, but I don't get prophetic words from God. <laughs> okay. Or how do I know when I'm getting a real prophetic word from God, what's from God and what isn't, you know? So I'm going to share with you three little checks that may help you discern whether the word you're receiving is from the Lord, from the soul, soulish realm or from the enemy. Okay. Number one, a true word from God will always be compatible with God's nature and character. Okay. God is good and merciful. And as I said before, he sent Jesus to reconcile mankind and to draw us back into an intimate relationship. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil to give you hope in your final outcome. Jeremiah 29, 11. Did you get that? To give you hope in your final outcome. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of peace and grace. He is never in a hurry. He is never panicked. And it is his desire always to honor the Lord and the person the Lord is trying to reach. God is seeking to encourage and draw men to himself. So he will often give a word that answers a prayer for more information, like with Charles, okay? He had been asking for help. and The Lord said, I hear you. I'm going to help you. Uh, that gives direction about where they need to go, explains a situation. The word gives counsel in regards to a warfare situation or gives encouragement. You see, in doing all of these types of things, these types of word, he's always seeking to bless the person, to draw them in and restore them to himself, not curse them or make them fearful. Okay. Because God knows that encouragement works far better in motivating people than judgment.
judgment. Let me tell you, if judgment worked, Israel would not have been in the state that it was in. Okay. He knows that encouragement works far better in motivating people than judgment. God is also not a God of confusion. He is omniscient, he knows everything, and he desires that we also have the understanding we need to move forward in our faith, okay? He's seeking to draw men to himself. He's not confusing. He wants you to have the information. He wants to give that person information, so he will not give them vague or scary condemning words, because that will only build fear and distrust in that person's mind towards God. It's going to drive them away from him. Again, 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, For he who is the source of their prophesying is not a God of confusion and disorder, but of peace and order. Remember, God is always, through Christ, trying to move his people past fear and into an intimate relationship based on his perfect love. So that's the first thing. Second thing, and this kind of goes along with the first, but it's important to remember. A true word from God will always have the goal of reconciliation, not judgment. Now, God is after drawing people closer to himself, even in sin situations. That is why Jesus came to reconcile us and our sinful lives back to God. Okay. He then left that ministry of reconciliation to us, the church, second Corinthians five eighteen. Okay. It was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself, not counting up and holding against men, their trespass, but canceling them and committing to us the message of reconciliation of the restoration to favor. Now, I have received in my life several prophetic words from the Lord that were warnings of coming earthly disasters, okay? And if you read the website, you know this. But in the case of each one, the Lord was encouraging his people to be reconciled to him and making the way through those things for his people to plainly know where he was and what was going to be happening and what was going to be accomplished, okay? It wasn't just to bring fear and judgment. Jesus dealt with judgment at the cross, Okay, and I pray that the church in general understands it has a mind shift about that so that we're hearing the true voice of the Lord. And number three, a true word from God will also come with some measure of confirmation. The Lord confirms the word of his servant and performs the counsel of his messengers. Isaiah forty four twenty six. God will normally confirm his word to the person. Either it will line up with the word that God gave them personally to themselves that no one's ever told them that the God shared to them, or it will line up with the situation in their life or with another word they were given previously. You know, the Lord has been ever so faithful to do this in my life where he's spoken to me about what he was going to do in my life and what was going on. And then within a short time frame, sometimes as even as short as 24 hours, he will send someone to confirm that word so that I know it was from him. I remember one time uh, that two, three years ago, I was in some, I was in a meeting of pastors and we were having a time of worship and the Lord gave me this vision. And in this vision, I had a bunch of doors and all these doors were lined up in a row. And I saw that I was going to go through one door and then another door would appear, another door would appear, another door would appear. And if I would go through these doors and as I went through these doors, I'd be moving faster and faster and faster in the spirit. And I understood, you know, that they were, um, it was important for me 
they represent what they represented in my life. So, you know, I have this vision. I'm like, whoa, Jesus. Okay. Well, if that's you, Lord, just confirm your word. So the next day we had this conference and there's a time of prophetic, uh, you know, impartation and prophetic prophecy practicing at the conference. So I go into the place where they are. And the woman that comes to me and is assigned to me says, oh, I see you with all these doors and they're lined up one after the other. You're not going to have to worry. And you're going to go through one door and God's going to bring another door and you're going to go through another door. And basically she told me the same exact thing, the vision that I had. So that's an example of God giving a person something. And then when you come along, you actually confirm that in them. All right. Remember, God wants you to have the correct information and not be afraid. So he seeks to confirm his word for your benefit. You know, now I'll give you another example. And this was kind of cool. I once received a word for a person that I was interceding for. They were having some health issues. And the Lord told me (laughs) that there was a curse on this person's family line that dated back all the way to the Civil War. And that this curse was hampering the flow of, of healing in his body. Now, I know that may sound strange. But that's what the Lord told me that needed to be dealt with. So, you know, I talked to this person and I didn't know them very well, but I was interceding for them. And I'm like, hey, uh, this is what I'm hearing. And I brought this up and the, to the person and God immediately confirmed it. It turns out that very week, the person had received some old family letters from a grandfather who had been a surgeon during the Civil War. And one of the letters mentioned that, that this surgeon, his grandfather, had indeed been cursed by a patient's family who was unhappy with the outcome of the surgery. They had actually had a son, and I think that what happened was they that one of the legs had to be cut off, and then he was sent back to the farm. Well, the family was upset because as far as they were concerned, this son was a burden because he couldn't work in the field. So they actually cursed this doctor okay, and his descendants so that they would suffer. I'm telling you, I was a little surprised, but he confirmed it to me right away. You know, And we prayed for that to be broken. God is not a God of confusion. He wants us to have the information. He will confirm his word when we are on the right track. He releases that spirit of revelation on purpose. So these are just three little checks that will help you discern and grow in peace as you receive prophetic words from the Lord and you practice, okay? Now, I want to speak briefly here about some of the different ways we can receive prophetic information. Receiving prophetic information is supposed to be a normal part of a Christian's life, and it's supposed to be something that is done on a continual basis. In fact, Paul talks about the importance of receiving revelation all throughout Scripture. Okay, Galatians 1, 11 through 12, this is the Amplified Version. For I want you to know, brethren, that the gospel which was proclaimed and made known by me is not man's gospel, a human invention according to or pattern after any human standard. For indeed, I did not receive it from men, nor was I taught it, but it came to me through a direct revelation given by Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So Paul is saying that he was taught by direct revelation from heaven in regards to the gospel of Jesus and the kingdom. In other words, he received a direct download of revelation from God himself. Now, this way of receiving revelation was normal for Paul, and it is supposed to be normal for us. You know, prophetic revelation can come in many different forms, from visions and trances all the way to hearing God's voice in a spoken word. Prophetic revelation is the way God communicates to us and the way we receive what he is saying and or showing us. Now, guys, God does not speak English. 
Okay, what I mean by this is that the language God uses to convey what he means is not necessarily English or Spanish or Dutch or any other type of verbal language. You know, if you've had any time to study the Hebrew language, you you know that the Hebrew language is unique and that the words used in that language have multiple meanings and levels of implication. So this gives us a little bit of a window into what it's like in the language of heaven. The Lord uses many different ways to communicate to us because he is spirit and we are spirit having a bodily encounter. Okay. And verbal communication is not necessarily the way you connect spirit to spirit. All right. In fact, I have a good friend of mine who um, passed away, who was in the hospital, died, who went to heaven, visited with the Lord and came back. And uh, he said that they did not even use words in heaven when he was there. It was more of like your thoughts and perceptions did the communicating with God. And I've actually had a few friends that have died and come back who've told me the same thing. You know, God can use all different types of ways to communicate with us. So I want to share just a few of the more common ways that we can receive prophetic revelation um, from the Lord. Now, this is not, like I said, a full... This is not a full dictionary use of every way. I encourage you to go back to my other talk for that. Let's start with spiritual perception. Spiritual perception is often the most common way we probably receive um, from the Lord and the most common way we shrug off what we receive from the Lord. Um, often in this time of, of experience, we get an impression of something, okay? Um, it can be something like an impression of something that, that warns us that something is wrong. It can even be something we can't even put our finger on, you know? Um, I think most of us who are, uh, who are filled with the Holy Spirit um, actually move in this without realizing it. You know, remember, again, we are spiritual beings in physical bodies. So we need to to, to learn how all of our senses work in both environments. Spiritual uh, perception is real and can be strengthened, and you can grow in it just like any other gift or sense. I'll give you an example. Um, I was praying for someone a couple months ago, and uh, they were dealing with cancer. And I had this perception when I was praying for them that they had a long line of Jewish heritage. Now, this was a pastor, a Christian pastor, so it was an interesting thing to ask. And I felt like that it's possible that what he was suffering could have been tied. So I asked him, do you have Jewish? I see that you have a Jewish lineage. He's like, oh, yeah, I have a bunch of Jewish lineages all the way back. So that's an example. I've got just a perception. It wasn't necessarily a vision. It was just an understanding that came to me. Okay. That gives you an idea. All right. Now visions are another way we can receive revelation from God. And there are many different types of visions that one can have that relay prophetic information and revelation to us. For example, one type of prophetic vision is called an orama. And this means a supernatural vision or sight from God. This is normally used in reference to waking visions or seeing visions with our eyes open. And an example of this is in Acts 16, 9 through 10, when Paul has an open-eyed vision of the Macedonian man. It says, And a vision, an orama, appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, the Arama, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. So that's one type of vision. Another type of vision mentioned in scripture is called an oasis. 
And this means sight or vision that we can receive either with our external eyes or our internal eyes, or rather the eyes of our imagination, okay? These are visions that occur on the inside of our minds with our sanctified imagination. An example of this is used in Acts 2.17, where it says, In the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, oasis. Your old men will dream dreams. So an oasis is another kind of vision. Pictorial visions are also common types of visions. In this type of vision, it's like more like a picture or an image is revealed that can be described or identified in terms of like snapshot pictures. And we either see them, you know, with our eyes open or closed. They are pictures that come across our minds. Like oftentimes, like even if you're driving down the road and a picture pops into your mind, this is a kind of idea of a, of a pictorial vision. Now, these types of pictures usually mean something or convey meaning to us on more than one level. And they can, and these can often happen when you're prophesying uh, over a person. Okay, I'll give you an example. When I prophesy over people, I often get pictures combined with words to give me an understanding of what's going on. Like I was at a conference recently, and I was praying over a person when I saw a picture of blueprints, just a, a snapshot of blueprints over their head that meant that they were an architect, and they were. And then I also saw a picture of the ocean in a boat, and it meant that they also loved to sail as a hobby. You know, I will often get pictures when praying for people for healing for a person of a body part. And I know that means that the issue might have started with that body part and we need to pray for that. Now, when you get these kind of pictures, because I think a lot of us have this happen and we think it's just our imagination or our mind is wandering. When this happens, you need to stop and ask the Lord two quick questions. Okay, number one, what does this mean, Lord? Okay, what does this mean? And number two, what do I need to do, Lord? And then you do what he says. He may say you just need to pray. Okay. Now, there are other types of visions one can have, like panoramic visions, which are like movies that play like a whole scene from beginning to end. You can have a trance vision or an ecstasis vision, an open heaven vision, an open heaven visitation. You know, all different common ways the Lord can give you prophetic revelation uh, through visions um, that you will need in order to practice the prophetic. Another way we can receive prophetic revelation is through the inner or audible voice of God. You know, God still speaks to his people today. His voice can come to us as an inner hearing where we are the only ones who are hearing it or an audible voice where God's voice is discernible to all those who are near. As in Matthew three seventeen, uh, when God spoke about Jesus, he said, and behold, a voice out of the heavens said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It is very important that we heed the voice of God, no matter how it comes to us. The Lord longs to communicate with us this way because he, is, he often has something he wants to say in regards to the person we are prophesying over. You know, I receive a great deal of information from the Lord this way. For example, when I'm doing meetings, I will often have a time of going down a prayer line and praying for people, and the Lord will give me words for each person. Like, I will come up to a person and the Lord will say, this person is an entrepreneur, and of course, they're an entrepreneur. You know, this is to let them know the Lord knows who they are and to get their attention so that when I speak to them, they will listen to the rest of the message the Lord desires to give. You know, 
I also hear the voice of the Lord telling me to do certain things when I'm out in public all the time. You know, I've given words to people on elevators because the Lord has prompted me to do so. You know, sometimes they are simple, like God says he loves you and is going to take care of you. You know, that's a word I've given. And other times they're words that have really heavy emotional weight. For example, several years ago when I was first learning how to respond to the Lord in the prophetic, I was on a plane coming home from visiting some friends and I was extremely sick. I had the flu and I'm sitting on the plane and there's a stewardess going by and the Lord says, I want you to tell her that her son, her wayward son is coming back home. And I'm like, Lord, I think I'm losing my mind. I'm sick, but okay, this is you, God. You know, I'm willing to be a fool for Jesus. Might as well be his fool. I was the enemy's fool long enough, right? Amen. So, you know, I wait till everybody gets off the plane because I'm like, I want to be sure I heard. So I go up to this woman, you know, and I'm like sick and she's like four feet away. And I said to her, do you have a son? And she said, yes, I do. I said, the Lord says your wayward son is coming home. And she just broke down and I didn't know what to do. So I got off the plane. (laughs) I just was like, well, that's my job. (laughs) And I got off the plane. Now I'm not saying do that, but the Lord moved in that situation. That just gives you an example. I didn't know much about then. What do I do, Lord, when it is you? We're all so shocked. I don't know what to do. So anyway, that's just an example of God giving you words for people. And they don't have to be these long drawn out, you know, your family line was this, you're going to be going and be a major mega star for Jesus. You know, they can be simple things because it's the simple things that matter. And God knows our hearts and he is the one speaking to them. Now, Words of knowledge are also ways in which the Lord will reveal prophetic revelation to you. And they are often used um, in uh, healing situations. And those two can be accessed by every believer. Now, I say words of knowledge, like I said before, they could be used for healing. They could be used for prophetic. You know, they're just called words of knowledge or just little things that one gets from the Lord. A word of knowledge is a supernatural revelation of information received by the Holy Spirit. And God will often use this as a means to lead to healing. And here's just a few ways, um, especially for the healing side, because prophecy and healing often go hand in hand that you can receive a word of knowledge, like you can feel it. You may feel a pain, throbbing sensation, or some other sensation uh, that's not your own. In other words, you weren't having this before. That could be a type of word of knowledge to let you know that there's a person around you who's got pain. You can see it. Again, a mental picture of a body part, or a person with a limp, or a little a little vision. You can read it. Sometimes people read Uh, You may see in your mind a person with a word written across their forehead or a word just scrolls in front of you. You may think it or get an impression. You can say it. You can dream it. You can experience it, which is similar to dreaming, but more like a vision state. These are all different ways words of knowledge can come around. Now, you, as a particular Christian, uh, need to discover how the Lord is speaking to you. And these are just a few ways for you to be aware of. So when you're out going around, you can be like, Lord, is that you? Things happen. Stop and ask the Lord, Lord, is this you? What does this mean? He wants you to have the information. And the way you become sensitive to it is by practicing with him. You have to practice. Just like any gift that you're given, you have to grow in it and practice, okay? So first, um, identify the way the Lord is speaking to you to get your attention, all right? Then make sure that your word passes the test. In other words, it is truly from God. Go back over those little checks. Is this meant line up with your nature, Lord, okay? Um, And then follow through with what he gives you to do, okay? It's really easier than it sounds, and all it takes is that you are available and that your heart is in the right place with the Lord and the passion of the Lord, which is love for his people, All of his people is in you. Okay. So I want to give you a challenge this week as you go out throughout your week. And I know some of you won't hear this 
talk for probably months, <laughs> but I want to give you a challenge when you do. I want you to ask the Lord to give you a word for someone, and then I want you to follow through and give that word to the person. Now, this could be a person that you know, all right, that you give a word to, especially if you're just starting out, or it can be someone you don't know, as in you're in the grocery store and God gives you a word for the checkout person, okay? All you have to do is ask, Lord, do you have a word for this person? If he says yes, then all you have to humbly do is receive and give that word to the person in the spirit of love. Okay. So just be yourself, be encouraging and let the Lord do the work. Remember, you're the conduit. The spirit is the one who does the work. The Lord desires that all of us function to some measure in this gift. It is a part of your inheritance. You know in your heart that you desire to hear God's voice. How do you think the people in the world feel? How do you think they feel? I promise you that the more that you allow the Lord to use you in this manner, the more you will start receiving words for yourself from the Lord and from others as well. You cannot outgive God. For more information, podcasts, videos, prophecies, and teachings, simply go to from waterintowine.org and follow us on Facebook at The Water Into Wine. This podcast is produced by Media 12 Productions, media12.org.